Beautiful listeners, you know we love you, and we appreciate all the support you've given us to this point. If you would like to further support us in our art, in our effort to allow these wonderful conversations to continue to take place, head over to patreon.com slash inside the sound. I didn't know the lyrics were I got a I got the thing. new thing something like that. All right, well that was fun. I loved the intro. The intro was just great. I love how you're singing the praises of something you created. <laughs> Why wouldn't I? It's wonderful, and things I create are wonderful, just like this show. Well, hey there, beautiful listeners. Welcome back inside the sound. This is Michael Jansen, and I am Ryan. He doesn't say his last name. He's too cool for that. Never, none of us have ever said our last name before. No, I have several times because I'm the artist formerly known as. Oh, Michael good for you. All right, anyway, so solo album. Don't worry about it. Well, we have we have a very special guest today, and we have the uh, amazingly talented. I'm gonna mess it up. Dang it! Uh, you even told us how to pronounce it, and I'm gonna do it again. It's. I want to say. I want to say it the wrong. Kaylee, thank you, Kaylee Connors. Yeah, very. Thank nice. you for saving me, Ryan. Hi, would you introduce yourself? Say hello to our beautiful listeners. Yeah, hi, I'm Kaylee. Um, I'm from Boston. Very excited to be here. Yay! The sensational Kaylee Connors. The the patient and kind and, and forgiving Kaylee Connors, who f- will forgive me for, like, seconds ago, like, no, it's said this way. Well, it's, it's spelled C-E-I-L-I? L- there are two L's. Good, you I can spell, spell it. Right? Yeah. Yes, I can spell it. Hey, I get, do I get points for that? I get points for Definitely. that, right? I have to. Um, not to rub it in, but I thought we clarified this beforehand we that did. we wouldn't have to have we this did. conversation. And I'm just completely just crashing and burning. Poor Kaylee. <laughs> Save me, Ryan. <laughs> well, you might notice there's a bunch of superhero-related memorabilia in the background here. Yeah, I can see that. And I don't know how familiar you are with superheroes and all that nonsense. But a little bit. A little, little bit. Not very much, though. But you might know that every superhero has a great origin story. How they became who they are. Why they do what they do. So we always figure that when we have a musical superhero on the show, that they're going to have a cool musical origin story and especially playing the unique uh style of classical guitar which is one of my favorites by the way um how would you describe your origin story yeah so let me think um i would say when i was around like eight or nine um i decided i wanted to be a rock star um just that was it. Uh, I had been like doing all kinds of other things like painting, dancing, but I was just changed my mind. going to be a rock star. Um, <laughs> nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. So uh, my parents were just like, oh, there's this classical teacher 
in the neighborhood, just like if you really want to do it, get started with him. And then maybe we can switch you over to like other styles later. Um, and I think like as a kid, I found it really challenging. I thought it was like really cool and difficult and I liked the kind of challenge of it. And then as I got older, I grew to appreciate like the art form and you know, the history and everything about the music itself. So um, I just ended up sticking with it and never, never became a rock star. Um, so yeah, that was, that was pretty much it. Um, then I just, you know, college came around and I was torn between a couple subjects and I just was like, oh, do I want to, you know, make a lot of money or do I want to do something I love and hopefully still make a lot of money? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, so yeah, I just, I just stuck with music. It just was the thing that never uh, quit. So you said, you said that you just decided one day you wanted to be a rock star. Was there a catalyst for that? Was there a, a moment that you just music called to you? I don't know. I, I, I don't remember like an exact moment. I might've been watching MTV or something. And <laughs> yeah. I, I remember being younger and, and thinking like, I wasn't seeing a lot of female, like electric guitar, like rock stars, like on TV and stuff. And I always thought it'd be really cool. Um, so I think it was in the back of my mind for a few years that that's what I wanted to do, but yeah, classical just took over. In your own right, I kind of feel like you are a rock star. Yeah, for real. You know, like Mozart <laughs> was a rock star in his day. I feel yeah. like, like for example, uh, Torrega, I, I bet he was like a rock star in his day. Yeah, can you imagine? So. Yeah, I, I bet he was. I don't, I don't feel like I've reached Torrega level rock stardom yet, but hopefully <laughs> So do you remember um, what it was in particular? I know you talked about the fact that it was challenging and that kind of was fascinating to you on a musical level and then you grew to understand the history and appreciate it more and all that. Was there anything else specifically about classical guitar that, that drew you in? Yeah, so um, speaking of that, that teacher who was kind of in the neighborhood, who I ended up studying with for quite a few years, um, he held ensembles, uh, like like ensemble rehearsals every week um, in his house, which would be anywhere from like five to like sometimes cramming in like 20 guitarists in a room all playing. Oh, together. wow. Kind of like a little classical guitar orchestra. Um and I loved that. I thought it was the coolest thing. Um, it, it was really like being in an orchestra, uh, which I couldn't do in school because, like, you know, school programs really don't have anything for classical guitar. So unfortunately, right. yeah, yeah, it's a bummer. Yep. So that was. Uh, I think I was just really into that, um, and I liked how you know, like, wanting to be a rock star and shred and all that stuff. <laughs> classical guitar sometimes forces you to like slow down. Um, yeah. And I really liked some of the mellow stuff. I was like, oh man, I can really get into this, like really solemn and like mellow music too. So yeah. Yeah, we were listening to a few of your performances um, together, mm -hmm. and one thing that we both agreed on is when you really sit there and just try to take it in, there's a very like peaceful kind of positive vibe that you feel yeah from those that type of music um and that's that's one thing i really appreciate about it too yeah. um it's calming very Definitely. calming 
it's interesting how because like from where the where the camera was positioned in the audience it's a bit far back and i was telling him like just th this tiny little box and the way that you play it to like how it can resonate through that whole room and just captivate everybody because you could hear a pin drop like it's just and, and it holds you there and i could hear it and see it right in the performance um classical music does that in a way that other genres don't quite because because of the pace right well actually no this is this is a something that he mentioned about your pacing on some of the some of the pieces was just like uh what i i, I didn't exactly recall what you said about it but just that it, it was tasteful like it had a good you have a good pace the way you, like each piece the way it follows um with the tempo that i, I mean you have some leeway right in like the tempos you choose for a particular piece um do you find that um I don't know what I'm trying to ask you here. I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm just, I'm thinking because I just got done watching this performance. I'm like, I feel like I'm almost reacting to it right now because I just saw it um, uh, a moment ago. Cause I don't know. I just, I wanted to like catch a few more moments of, I, I, I haven't spent a whole lot of time listening to classical guitar. Like I have classical piano and I hear so many like similarities between um like a piano piece that, in, that I've say played in a recital and like what I was hearing, like the, the interplay between the bass and the, and the melody. And I, I'm just sort of astounded that you can get such a full range of sound out of that little instrument. Like it takes me a full keyboard. I feel like to get that same, I don't know what I'm trying to say. So I, again, Ryan, save me, man. I'm, I'm crashing and burning. Today. That's why her fingers look like spiders. Yeah. You like know, gosh. Hoarding. I know how it is. Believe me. I've, I've, delved into that a little bit especially the right hand some of the right hand technique is extremely difficult and then some of the chords that you have to get through so quickly i mean i can understand the time that goes into that but that, what he brought up is interesting to me like for you um how does that work when it comes to the pacing of the pieces like is there kind of a traditional like this is kind of what it should sound like but i've i've heard different players playing fast and i've heard the ones let it resonate a little bit and are a little bit slower with it how did you how do you decide what pace you're going to take when you play a piece yeah i think there, there's a couple elements to it you know there's there's what's kind of stylistically appropriate um which you have to you know just know enough about the history of the time period and you know what what that would traditionally sound like um and then there's what's technically possible. So can I always pull this off at a certain speed or do I need to slow down here or, you know, take my time in this spot? Um, and I think then there's like the artistic side to it. Like, do I want to leave the audience hanging for a moment? Do I want to like push through to this really exciting moment? Um, I think, you know, it's, it's hugely about phrasing and, um, you know, really just being analytical about the phrasing when you're looking at the structure of the piece and just like feeling it, feeling it out. How did you reach the point where you were able to kind of create that emotional ride? Because when you're playing a nylon string acoustic, all of that emotion things, I mean, you have to create it with your hands, you know, there's no like amplification or anything. Like how was that process like this going through that? Yeah, you know, I'm I'm sort of an anxious player in the sense that like when I'm performing, I get a lot of adrenaline and I really have to force myself to like slow down and breathe. 
Because uh, the, I really do. And the, the audience needs to breathe with I you. I know the feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I, a lot of musicians get that. So like you were saying, like the, the audience, you could, you could hear a pin drop and you need that moment where it's just completely silent once in a while. And yeah. Um, yeah so just knowing when to create that and kind of like, I think in practice, you can really feel that. But in performing, it's about really remembering to take that time. Um, to not just like blow through the whole piece. I, I definitely, <laughs> that, that takes some effort. But um, yeah, I think that took a lot of practice, like performance practice for me. I think it was very natural for me to kind of get the feeling in practice and then performing. I really had to work at letting myself breathe and take the time when it was necessary. The adrenaline thing that you, maybe some of the nerves that come with it, it's like when you're when you're a classical guitar player, like literally, it's like you're under a microscope. You know what I mean? It's not like playing the electric guitar where the distortion can hide it or, you know, the other pedals effects. Yeah, a pedals effects. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like everyone's watching you and every little thing that you do, they can like how did you learn to deal with that, like feeling like you're under a microscope? Cause I, I've I was telling him I play I played a really short, you know, Lagrima by like I that was as far as I went I like I'm gonna learn how to play this for my class and just sitting up there like that you feel like every last little thing is being mm -hmm. scrutinized yeah um, how have you been able to handle those nerves or those thoughts that might come into your head because yeah uh it's definitely been a lot of work um it the more you perform the better it gets for the most part um I remember being pretty young I went to like a a summer camp for um, Suzuki guitar when I was maybe I was maybe 10 or so and um, I had this teacher a really cool guy who gave me this um, this like little thing to think about that stuck with me forever and it's it's kind of morbid so but you know whatever it's you're <laughs> saying uh, like you have to imagine you're in a truck going through like a field in the middle of the night and the whole road is just mud, so if you stop, you're gonna sink. But there's all these like little bunny rabbits running across, like your truck, and you just have to run over the bunnies, or you're gonna get stuck. <laughs> so when no, you make... not the bunnies. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Why? Why? And I was like, Why? oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, if there's a point to that, you just have to learn how to get over mistakes. Like they're going to happen, no matter how hard you practice. Yeah. It's going to happen. You have to learn how to not to dwell on it, even for like a moment. You know, the second it takes your attention away from your playing, it can uh, be pretty fatal. That's good advice. I mean, it really is. We talked to a classical pianist and uh, like smiling. She mentioned like smiling through mistakes, like kind of just allowing like just, you know what I mean? Like that's hard. That's still hard for me all these years later. If I know how it's supposed to be and I'm trying to perform it and I make that like, ah, like, but to just let it go. And another thing that's come up is the fact that as musicians, as guitar players, we're going to notice if someone performing messes up. But the oh, general yeah. public, that's true. you could probably have a slight mistake and they're probably not even going to notice at all. You know, <laughs> that's hard because I'm so used to like thinking in that way and analyzing music that I actually forget that that perspective is different. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's so easy to go, ah, oh, I'm awful. And then, you know, people look at it, what are you talking about? This is amazing. Like, <laughs> mistake? What do you mean? Yeah. Overanalyzing yeah, I, it. I try to remember, too, like, when I go see my idols perform, they'll make mistakes. And I'm not like, oh, wow. Just <laughs> I want a refund. Refund? <laughs> 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 yeah. So, you know, you have to, you have to just remember too that like i'm not critical of other people's mistakes i don't think people are sitting in the audience saying like oh my god did you hear that um right it's pretty brutal when you like mess up so bad you have to start over which luckily is pretty rare but like you're getting the pronunciation of your name yeah tell me <laughs> let me tell you about it brutal <laughs> yeah i got it now thanks 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 ryan could have done that earlier um <laughs> Kaylee, can you talk a little bit about some of your inspirations? I'm kind of curious. Yeah, you mentioned like your, your idols. Guitar idols, guitar yeah, yeah. inspirations. Oh, yeah. So um, I, when I started, you know, playing, I'd been maybe playing for two years or so. Um, I had a friend who brought me to see Elliot Fisk uh, perform Okay. in Rhode Island. And I was like, wow, that's awesome. I think that was probably one of those moments, too, where I was like, I want to be able to do that. That looks really hard. What a challenge. Like, so I think that was huge. And um, I was maybe in middle school when I found out he was, you know, teaching at colleges and stuff. And then when I was doing my undergrad, I was like, I need to go to NEC to study with this guy. You know, like he's been my idol for so many years. So I just worked my butt off to to get to, you know, audition for it. And I actually did get in and I got to study with him, which was just like a dream. Ooh, that's career. awesome. You yeah. got what you wanted. I did. I was very lucky. Yeah. Well, I, I yes, luck. Sure. I'm sure there was luck involved, but like, look, it's inspiring. Like you knew from an early age, like what you wanted and you went after it. Like, that's cool. Like that's, that takes drive that a lot of people don't always have. Like that's a special trait, you know, like, yeah, that's cool. Thank you. Yeah. And I was never like one of those kids who sat in a practice room or like locked myself in a room and practiced all day. Um, but, you know, I think it's just consistency, mm. just not not practicing for hours every day, but just, you know, never really just giving up on it or taking huge breaks. That makes sense. Well, what's, what is your practice regimen like today like what do you how often are you picking up that instrument how, how much time do you have to invest to maintain and to continue to grow yeah I mean when you're working on new repertoire for you know like a concert season um it, it can be a lot if you're trying to come up with an entire new program um I would say you know trying to balance it between like work and teaching and all this stuff if I can get between like one hour and three hours a day, I'm actually pretty happy. Um, but you know, that's every day. And you know, if, if I don't, if I miss a day, it's like, okay, I have to double up the next day. Yeah. Or, you know? <laughs> so uh, yeah, again, it's just being consistent. I really believe like the more, more often you practice is more important than how long, even if I practice for an hour twice a day, like two separate hours in the morning and the evening, I think that's better than like stacking two hours together. Really? That's interesting. Is there a particular reason why you find like spl splitting up practice like that to be more effective than a block? Yeah, sure. I mean, a little bit to do with like endurance, like physical stuff, but mostly mm -hmm. actually memory. If I'm trying to memorize a piece, um, the more I spread it out during the day, like the more times I just look at it, take a break, look at it, take a break, it's going to get like more in my memory. Huh. Um, 
it's definitely like you can't cram learning a piece. I mean, you no. maybe you can, but but I think like the more it has time to sit in your brain in between practice sessions, the better. So, yeah. I'm fascinated by to hear like how people go about practicing and how they do the regiment because I've heard a lot of different things. I've heard people that like to, you know, like you say, lock themselves in a room and literally just practice for hours on end. There's some people like you or like to spread it out, which I would prefer because there is mental fatigue and there's hand, I'm sure there's yeah. hand fatigue when you're learning yeah, a new God. crazy piece. Yeah. Yep, definitely. And I never grew my nails out on my right hand. Either. <laughs> oh, no. Is that preferable? Like the do, do most classical guitar players grow their nails out or is do some people choose to just play with their fingers like is there a yeah, what's the common thought say, on that i would say like professional guitars almost every time they have nails um and that's a subject you don't want to bring up with classical guitars because they'll talk about it for hours oh really <laughs> oh no i'm glad this is Go the nerve that we hit why yes, is that yes. why, why i want to know why will they talk so much about that i'm curious there's like a lot of different things they do like some people like natural nails and some people use fake nails and they'll argue about nail shapes and what kind of files to use and buffers Wait, nail shape yeah so you know they have kind of like, like picks you know how picks yeah. vary and... well, yeah huh okay that makes yeah, sense like, yeah just different shapes different outcome with the tone so well what yeah. tone do you prefer to the nails <laughs> to the shape like what's uh, what is your selection there I use kind of a, a sort of ramp deal, so it'll be like longer on one side, like, and then oh. shorter on the other, kind of, and it creates like a ramp on the nail, hmm. uh, which kind of allows for like a little bit more time on the string, which I think is a warmer sound. That's interesting. I've never thought yeah, about nails an, and strings. And there's really, an art to, huh. to everything. Like you know, the like the the type of pick that you use too. Yeah, you know, it can it can affect the tone and the how easy it is to play. We were just talking about this because uh, uh, somebody else that came on the show um, sells picks, right? So we both got because they just look cool and they're very just the way they're designed. Like they're playable. Like it just it's like it affects the tone in so subtle ways. But it's like anyway, that's I never thought about nails and how that a different shape of the nail would give you different technique or different well, or a different sound. I mean, I could see how that's more of a big deal when yeah. you don't have you know amount of effects or something running through well, it like yeah the effects are you don't even have a volume yeah. knob like right. gosh like, that's cool i love that about the, the classical guitar that it's like you're producing that emotion with yeah, your hands yeah yeah it's definitely like so i don't know you can just it's like very you can really feel it when when you can like feel the contact of the you know your fingers to the and your nails to the string it's very like personal i think um instrument wise i mean every instrument is but that's what i like about the guitar is i feel very connected especially in the right hand to like the sound of everything well the guitar is the best oh, did i say that out loud <laughs> i mean i love all instruments <laughs> i i love a lot of different instruments man the guitar is up there it, there's just something special guitar about a it special well, place in my heart we've talked about this and and I mean, maybe you can relate too, because with again, with the with the with the wood, right? With the the with the electric guitar, there's an electrical current, right? You know, but with the the wood, right? It's 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 a resonance, but you are the circuit, like you you are the you're holding it with both hands, you're completing, you are we're both bat we're all batteries, right? Like we all generate electrical current, 
Um, and what is a science class? The, yeah, come on, man. I'm sorry. And the, <laughs> but like with the with the acoustic guitar or the, the nylon strings or steel string, whatever, like you you're it like you are voicing that with this little wooden box. You have to generate that energy completely. You know? Is there an emotional like zone that you've learned to get yourself in, or is there like a preparation to be able to do that to the full effect? Like before yeah. you go out, do you like listen to the Rocky theme song? Like get yourself amped up. <laughs> like what is it? I would say it's it's strange. Like I don't have any kind of like pre-ritual, like pre-concert ritual um, type thing that like gets me into it. I feel like when I sit down. I think you'll see a lot of guitarists do this, do classical guitarists do this, where they sit down to perform and they get their guitar like comfortable in their lap and they just take a breath and they'll like shake out their hands and look at the, and like set up their hands and look at the strings. And it's like this quick little moment of like sort of meditation and you're just like in it. Um, Cause I think like the walking out to the stage, I'm like adrenaline race, like, oh right. God, here we go. So like sitting down, just taking a breath, and I feel like that's that's kind of the moment. That's important to think about too, because yeah, to, well, also, I know I definitely perform like I want to speed up, right, with the anxiety of performance, and that breath giving you the space to just slow it down, mm -hmm. right, reset from that walk, you know, and that's important. Yeah. I'm kind of curious. I've I've been more in the the rock world, so I kind of know like what what brands of guitar people gravitate towards in the rock world. Now nylon string guitars, like what what are like the usual brands that are like the standard or go to that most people have, or which one did you choose and why? I'm kind of curious about that. Yeah, I mean you have like the kind of mass produced ones. You can get like Guitar Center brands kind of like Cordoba are great for like low mid-range guitars um and then you get a little bit higher and there's there's like a I had a before the my current guitar I had a Kenny Hill guitar um I really liked he's a luthier out in uh California um and now I actually just had one built for me by like a local luthier wow um, oh cool yeah, so I actually just got it a couple of months ago. I love it. But I think the the like really serious players usually have like they have a luthier they like or they find mm. and they'll have them build for them. Whoa. And, um sometimes multiple guitars like over the years. Like some people just stick with a luthier. Um and that'll be it. That's different. Like that's yeah. that's cool. Like it's just a it's such a mass produced thing over in the rock world. Like I, I just no, I mean, that's great. I love all those brands. Don't get me wrong. But like, what a connection to your instrument. It's like, you know, the luthier and they make it for you. Like, how cool is that? What was that like, like getting that instrument made then? Oh, my God. It's such a cool process. Um, he was amazing. He, you know, he he brought me to his workshop and had me try things he was making for other people. Huh. Um, but he really got to know me as of like where I grew up, what, you know, what kind of like things I liked, like I he told them I was a dancer at one point and that I grew up by the ocean and that I'm really like, I love the ocean. I love living by the water. Um, so we ended up coming up with this like water themed guitar sort of, and it's got like a moon and it's blue stripes that have like waves in it. Oh, um, wow. And what so artistry. I, 
Yeah, and I'd come up once in a while and just like either see how it was coming and and try some other guitars and we would work on, you know, what kind of wood I liked, what kind of sound I was going for, the shape of the neck I wanted, the size, you know, things like that. It's all very personal and very involved um, when you work with someone that closely. I can imagine. What was it? How did it feel to like perform with this guitar that you were so intimately involved in the creation process? Like the first time you played it for a performance. Actually, I was really lucky to kind of capture that on video. Um, yeah. The day I got the guitar, I they had planned for me to film um, a music video on it. Um, so I actually have a music video that of me playing like basically the first time I picked it up. Um, and it was strange because the guitar was a different size than the one I used to play and just felt so different. It was a difficult piece and I was kind of nervous to like be recording a music video on this instrument I've never touched. But I just picked it up and I was just like so in love with it. In love it with connected? It. Oh, yeah, cool. and, it, and it played amazingly. So it, I was, I really, I love that video because I kind of get to like relive sitting down That's with cool. it. That's cool. Can I ask the video? Like what video is it? Yeah, uh, it's an arrangement. I think it's on my Instagram. It's on YouTube. It's um, an arrangement of Debussy's Reverie. Um, okay. I yeah. think we saw that. I think we did watch it. Yeah. yeah. With like the headstock that has like that blue, almost like a triangle shape. Yeah. 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 I, well, I looked at that guitar. I was like, whoa, that's a, it's a, I thought it was a really cool looking guitar. But so that's the one that you had designed and, and made. And man, that's just, yeah. that's blowing me away. That's so cool. That is cool. Like, I feel the sense of connection to the one guitar that I've kept all these years because, I mean, it was cheapy, right? Like, I, we got it at some local music shop. It's made in Indonesia. But then I put all this love into it, right? Like, I put, uh, you know, high-end pickups and tuners and things, that you know, polished it up, made it cool. And I, I feel this, this almost like it's alive, you know? Like, I can't imagine for, to be there, like, to design it from the start. I can't imagine. It's just, it just seems like it'd be a really uh, fun process to, to, like, connect with, like, because the Luthier, they're, they're an artist, too. Like yeah. to, to see them work too. So, so close up, like that's, that's just neat. I didn't know that that was the norm or that was what classical guitarists did like that. I learned, I'm learning a lot. That's actually really cool. That yeah. is cool. I also have a guitar. My, my dad built one for me. Um, oh, wow. He's not a guitar maker. He, he builds boats kind of as a hobby. So he works, he's works with wood a lot and huh. like a graduation gift. He built me this amazing guitar that and that one i'm like really emotionally connected with i was just say how's the tone right yeah. like it's gotta was, is it awesome it's awesome i can't wow. believe like, for somebody building their first guitar ever that it came out that great and he carved right directly into the soundboard in one piece like this amazing celtic knot um just so cool wow yeah well yeah talk about a connection to an instrument like wow you can't help but have it, you know, you huh. can't help but have that way, especially when with what you're doing, you know, with that instrument. When you had your guitar made, was there like specific things that you wanted to be able to do tonally or like the way it felt while you played it? Yeah, um, definitely. One of the reasons I chose that luthier is I had played a few of his guitars and knew a lot of people who had them. Um, in fact, uh, my teacher also was playing on his guitars um, and he just has like the, talk about like needing to fill a room with sound right really great um, like just loud sound but also huge range of 
kind of colors in the tone and everything. And that was really important to me. I was like, I do want an instrument with some volume, but most important is just range of color, you know, a really deep sound when I want it. Um, yeah, I think that was the key, key factor. That's just neat. See that. yeah. yeah, that's cool. That relationship that it's kind of funny how you, as you go along, you you like you can hear the I don't know if it's like this for you but for me it's like you you know what you want it to sound like and then when you're finally able to make that a reality that's a fantastic feeling yeah yeah like it that's just cool. you've got me wanting like I'm I'm already like I have this <laughs> fantasy in my head and this, this movie that's playing out or like sometime late tonight I'm like googling Phoenix Luthiers yeah I'm just so inspired. This is so cool. You know, but you there got me thinking. Cross my mind. Like a cool. lot of even rock players, like the elite rock players, usually have some type of signature model or some type of custom guitar. Yeah, you know, it's. It. I guess it just kind of comes with the territory you're, when you reach that elite level. You're of, basically already a rock star. You realize <laughs> yeah. that, right? Like here, stand for a couple of dudes like us. Like I've never had a custom guitar made for me that some luthier. Like that's so. That's so cool. <laughs> and honestly, like with with your the physical chops that you gain playing classical guitar, oh. I'm sure you could pick up an electric guitar and do really. Oh my gosh! I'm sure you could shred. I mean, especially when you. Well, yeah, because the right like, hand stuff. Packing, yeah. Oh, the right hand stuff on an electric, like my goodness, like you could. There's just so much potential with range because you have all that control already built in your muscle memory. I know how hard it is. You know, I feel like that just because of the way the strings are set up and the neck and everything, it's just, well, not, you, you, we've talked about this. The electric is just a little easier to play than most acoustic guitars. And uh, boy, you'd be like a, like a monster on the electric. <laughs> Imagine. I think we were watching you play uh, Recuerdos del Alambre. Is that the name of it? Oh, gosh. Is that on the internet? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. I, I do play that piece. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just the right hand part on that is pretty, yeah. pretty intense. Yeah. Like what kind of, was it just doing like a lot of right hand studies and really taking time that way? Or was there like a specific way that you found was best to develop your right hand technique and be able to do the crazy? Yeah. So that piece is all tremolo, right? Which is like a, you know, a specific right hand pattern. Um, and I've been doing that since I was kind of young. It's like a, a lot of study pieces that use tremolo, kind of that you practice over the years and you just keep doing more advanced tremolo pieces. And um, it is something you have to work at, like technical exercises are big. Um, just to get like every finger very even for that is mm. difficult. So you have to work on like controlling how much pressure you put on the string with each finger. That's true. Um, yeah, it's it's difficult. I, I teach as well, and that's that's probably one of the hardest things to teach, is that kind of control. Yeah, because it's feel. I mean, it's hard to teach feel. You just sort of feel it, or you don't, or you know, like it, yeah. it can come with time. But like, it's I picked up a few nylon. It's hard. <laughs> like it's it's a difficult process. It's a it's like you're wearing a different cap, or it's almost it's almost an entirely different instrument. Like, uh, I mean, it's the same, right? But man. There might be a little more thought going into it, right? Because, you know, also how hard do you hit the bass note? Or, yeah. you know, when are you strumming or when are you going to palm mute a little bit? Or, you know, there's a lot of, a lot more there's nuances. Little nuances, right? yeah, man. 
and like do, do is there some type of guideline like you said sometimes there's like a traditional way that it was meant to be played or is there is there more liberty than maybe i would think there is there to kind of i think the the like technique of tremolo is sort of limited in the sense that everybody uses the same pattern for the most part and um that piece in particular is so well known that i think like they've you've heard all the greats play it um there's definitely ways to make it your own but i think it's just been played so much a certain way that that's just how people, people expect it yeah so people you know experiment with phrasing and things like that but for the most part it kind of is what it is i think the first time i heard that it was julian bream playing it and he's he's probably my my favorite uh, like i like the way that his style i like the way that he plays things i will so admit that, to not knowing that not being familiar with the work not Great, check it out. <laughs> uh, it sounds like I'm gonna have to. This is great. Is there anyone you would recommend besides yeah, yeah. yourself <laughs> for that piece in particular, or just um, in general, in like general? Yeah, for yeah, just yeah, classical in general. If you oh, wanted yeah. to, for sure. a person that wanted to delve into it that never had, like, where would oh, you yeah. recommend starting? Yeah, I mean, Elliot Fisk, you know, fantastic. Um, obviously, Segovia. Oh right, of course, yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, a, a lot of the greats were students of him, of him, Segovia. So, like, you know, Julian Bream, uh, Lirio Diaz, Oscar Gillia, um, John Williams, mm. all really great players, yeah. Do you, how heavily do you listen to this music when you're not like are you always listening to classical music do you branch out do you have other genres that you have a love for i'm kind of curious you said you wanted to be a rock star like what what do you listen to <laughs> when you're not or do you listen to other genres right when you're yeah so i think when i was really heavily studying when i was in school i was listening to tons and tons of classical guitar music um and then it got to a point where i was really trying to find my own voice and it almost felt like at some point, I have to stop just listening and copying. Um, so, if I, I, I will listen to classical guitar music still, but generally will avoid it if it's, if it's a piece I'm about to play, because I would rather pick it up and read it off the music and have my own sense for it before I let other people's versions kind of influence what I do. I see. Um, so, I, I do listen to a lot of classical guitar music, and classical music in general. I think I listen to more classical music, like, you know, symphonic works and things like that, than I do classical guitar now. Okay. Um, but actually, I listen to, like, a ton of, like, regular music, too. So. Modern or pop or, <laughs> yeah. you know, do you listen to pop or, or other styles or? Yeah, um, a lot of, like, alternative stuff. Um, yeah, some folk, things like that. Um yeah, I'm. I'm not super into yeah. pop stuff, but a little bit no, of pop. No, that's so cool. Alternative. Yeah. Do you, uh, well, do you have a? Well, you said you also listen to different kinds of class. Do you have any favorites, like classical music, or the alternative, whatever, any of this other stuff that's not classical guitar that you have either been inspired by or you know, something that comes to mind that, that had a big impact on you? Yeah, hmm. I would say. Well, I have a few composers I like, but there's um. 
There's a piece by Ralph Vaughn Williams. I think I'm just like obsessed with right now called Flos Campy. I love I love Ralph Vaughn Williams. Um, okay. Mario Casanova Tedesco wrote a lot for guitar, and but he also wrote a lot for tons of other instruments. He was a pianist, so um, I like a lot of his stuff as well. Cool. Like, yeah. Yay. I like well no, <laughs> but I like hearing this stuff because I, I I don't know I go back and I listen to a lot of these these all actually well we all we both do like to hear and um i like these these are gems for me to come back and like ah you know she said this this composer i'm gonna go check this out and see what i'm you know a lot of things i need to listen take a listen to well cool thank you thank you for sharing that um, that's one of the the big benefits that we have to talking with fantastic musicians yeah. like yourself is gaining a new perspective and and we we always learn something you know it's that's part of it's part of the awesome fun thing yeah yeah fun it really is because you just will to understand to try to put my mind space into the mind of like a classical guitarist it's just a different world than than what i grew up doing right and and it's not that different than uh classical piano let's say in some ways but in many ways it's so different right so that's just fun to it's well it's fun to do i like doing thank you for um putting up with my i just love these questions right <laughs> Haley, when you're up there on stage and you're, like you said, after you take the walk and you sit down and you begin, is there like a specific quality or maybe an emotion you're trying to, to convey? Like, what's the perfect performance to you? Like, what are you going to feel? What is the audience going to feel? Yeah, I, I mean, it depends on what the piece is, obviously, like the kind of emotion I'm going for. Um, and that will affect like the breath I take before, right? So um, I, I'm very picky about kind of my first piece when I get on stage. So when I when I build a program, I always ask myself like, is this okay to be the first piece? You know, kind of um, knowing I might not be 100% warmed up and is it an energy that I can access first thing? Um, so that's, yeah, definitely an important part of picking the program i really like that question is this an energy that i can access first thing like i like the way you're framing that because that makes that well that makes a lot of sense dude it does yeah thank you <laughs> no but that's great <laughs> man you need to no. just pull out a notepad and start jotting know, something. Man, Mine's I really getting blown do. here. a little bit yeah <laughs> i don't know i don't know what it is just maybe it's time of day or whatever but i'm just in the zone where i'm just well i'm just i'm i'm i we love yeah. music to a fault, I think, it's too, like, it's, which yeah. I'm sure, you know, most people that are in it as far as you are do too. But once you jump in, it's, yeah, once you have that, that, that connection with music, it's like, there's no coming back, I feel like, because you're not going to feel that anywhere else, you know? Uh -huh. So how have you, have you been able to perform at all through all the lockdowns and everything going yeah, down like that? Um a little bit. Um, I've done a couple virtual performances here and there, some live, some pre-recorded. Um, I'm actually have. Uh oh, what surgery. happened? So I actually had uh, like an overuse injury on my shoulder, as many musicians oh, no. get, um, and I kind of picked now to deal with it. It wasn't, you know, like something I had to do right away. But I was like, I can't perform anyways. I might as well, you know, start the healing process and what is it from is it because of the way you shift your body i noticed like with the foot rest right is it from that uh it's just from i think holding up it's my left hand holding it 
up for hours practicing. I see. Uh, right. And, you know, it takes a toll. Yeah, it was my fault. You know, I definitely did it when I was doing my master's degree, um, which was when I was practicing. Like, you know, I was I was on the guitar like eight hours a day. Oh, wow. Uh, and I've it, it never came back after that. Uh, so <laughs> I was, you know, I had given up like working out at that point because I was just all about playing. So no working out and just playing. It was like wreaked havoc on my body. So. Oh, wow. Let that be a lesson. <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I, I, I can see how... Um that would be maybe a classical guitar player would be more susceptible because you, you hold the, you know, the guitar usually on your left leg, if you're a right hand player, and then it like, it's up like that. So you're, I could see how your shoulder kind of has to come up and you're, you have to be really like the, the way you hold yourself to play everything. I could, I never really thought about that, but yeah, I could see how your shoulder would be kind of in an awkward position there. Yeah. And it's something I've been working on ever since I got, the injury like a few years ago have been just working on like how can i take tension out of my body especially in that area mm. when you need tension you know like kind of all the time when you're playing right. um it's just about having tension in the right places and using it the right way um i think that's important and you know it's it's easy to just go really hard beat yourself up to try to get really good but you just have to stay in tune with your body um which I try to teach my students now too, like, please listen to your body. Please like stretch a little bit before things like that. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose that's helpful. So how did you find yourself um, as a teacher? Was that something you always wanted to do or did you kind of just get asked to do it and then enjoy it? How did that come about? Yeah. You know, um, I was really young when I started, I was probably 15 or 16. Uh, when there were some kids in the neighborhood who wanted lessons and I think the parents wanted cheap lessons and I was very cheap (laughs) because I was so young Um, and I just started kind of teaching them Um, and then it was just something that kind of supported me through college you know it was part-time I could flexible hours but I just ended up loving it I think um it's so good for you as a musician to try to teach people what you know because it reinforces mm-hmm. things and it makes you think about what you do. Like, you know, if I tell a student to do something that I know they should be doing and I'm like, well, I don't do that, then I have to go home and do that and, like, fix my own stuff, you know? I see. Um, it, and it, it's just good for you to, like, retain everything you've learned. And um, I just – I love teaching too, like, the kids are great. I have adult students that just are so passionate about the music. Um, and they just want to learn so bad. It's just awesome. I love doing it. That's cool. It's great that you have a way to, um, like it is a whole nother way to connect with your instrument and connect with, to be able to like articulate it to someone else and teach it. And that's fun. Have you had the opportunity to see any of your students perform? Oh yeah. Yeah, I have. Um, so it's really nice. Just it's it's funny to see them get nervous because I see so much of myself in them in that moment. <laughs> yeah. I just breathe, just breathe. But then I'm on stage and I'm like, just breathe. Oh <laughs> 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 uh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, it's funny though, right? That emotion. Uh, it's always going to be there, right? It's just mm. learning how to deal with it properly. Yeah. Would you agree? Definitely, yeah, and I and I try to, 
ease my students' mind as much as possible um, by telling them that I also get nervous. <laughs> and they're like, what? You? No way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's funny. Like, I hear so many, even even seasoned performers talking about, like yourself, and it's like, you would you think a lot of times well they're they're such a big star they're so fantastic there's no way they get nervous anymore they're probably so used to it but i think it's just one of those things that there are certain emotions that are just going to occur like yeah. learning how to deal with them and does it ever help you though like learning how to channel that do you feel like that adds to the the emotion of your performance yeah definitely i think using adrenaline the adrenaline from performing to your advantage is crucial because if it's going to be there you have to use it the right way um and i like to think about it as like taking that anxiety that nervous energy and convincing yourself it's excited energy so it's like the difference between public speaking and going on a roller coaster right if you would say <laughs> i'm excited to go on a roller coaster but right. i'm nervous to speak or something like that so just kind of that inner monologue of i'm excited rather than i'm nervous channels that energy in a more positive way. that is that's a fantastic tip yeah like fantastic you really seem to have a good grasp of this this energy thing and how it relates to the like really it's it's very it's very helpful even again as someone who's performed plenty of times like wow that's great insight because i can use that like that's very thank you um <laughs> no problem <laughs> yeah because no, like that makes sense because if you if you don't turn it into something positive, then it goes the opposite way. And so, you know, like you said, it could be one of those moments where you have to start over because you're so overcome with it. Yeah. Well, um, it's like acknowledging that the energy is there, right? Like if you, if you don't channel it to something positive, you're still, your body still has to process that energy somehow. And it's going to come out in your plane. If you can channel it to that excited energy. Wow. That's fascinating. <laughs> that's cool. I am kind of in the same vein, like some of these, classical pieces are so complicated and sometimes very long so you talked about the memorization and all that like when you're starting like how do you have any tips for like keeping your place or not like i i don't I, I see how i can explain it just not getting too lost in the moment where you're like oh my goodness what am i doing you know like <laughs> yeah it's it that's something i think is probably the most difficult part of performing like knowing when to rely on muscle memory knowing when to rely on just knowing the notes like seeing the page in front of you kind of thing um i think f for me at least if i have a difficult passage like this part i'm like oh 60 chance this is gonna work just let's <laughs> go for it um I have to almost black out and like watch myself do it. Like take, it's literally like out of body. Like I'm just gonna yeah. watch my hands do this because if I think about it at all, it's not gonna happen. And then there's moments where I'm thinking about like, okay, this section is next, major section, minor section, don't forget this repeat, you know, those kinds of things. Um, you just have to figure out when to rely on the muscle memory and when to really be thinking. Yeah. Do you use any visualization techniques when you're trying to memorize a long piece? Um, not really, to be honest. I, I Sometimes I can envision the page in front of me, um, and that's about it. I, I, I really like can 
if I memorize the music well enough and like stare mm. at it long enough every day, <laughs> I can kind of see it in front of me and almost like see the sections. Um, I don't necessarily need to know like note for note, but if I can kind of think of it in sections, that is pretty helpful. That's I, I only asked because there was something you said earlier in the conversation about um, the difference between practicing in a block versus spreading it out that just it reminded me of a guy that I follow on social he's a, a memory champion and so like he specializes in like there's these competitions all around the world right where they crazy sets of data that they have to you know dates and names and things and they use a technique called the memory palace to like it's a it's a visualization visualization technique to like remember these insane it's like you basically tell a story visually and your mind sort of cues it up and I was just wondering, well, just anyway, it got me thinking about um, earlier in the conversation, it got me thinking about him and, and how it's so useful for musicians to have like a variety of techniques to, to be able to put a performance together. Um, a lot of like, a lot of memory and recall and muscle memory is, is stimulated through this process. I think it, it also helps with like, you know, learning languages and things like that. So um it just, it's got me openly speculating. Like I'm wondering if learning a piece that you have to completely learn by heart, if, if, if visualizing would be helpful in this process or, or if it, uh, cause I know what you mean. Like when you talk about whether or not you're going to rely on the muscle memory or you're thinking about that major minor change that's coming next, you know, um, sometimes it just sort of, it all comes together just through that practice. Like you just, you're used to doing it. And so you just sort of, you have it when you're there, but anyway, sorry make it on a tangent but the memory thing is really it's got me thinking yeah i i sometimes tell my students if you can't go to bed and like visualize your left hand playing the piece and if you can't remember the movements hmm. then you probably don't know the piece as well as you should um oh i see and that's actually a technique i use I guess that, yeah, I guess that would kind of fit into visualization is like, if I'm trying to really remember, memorize a piece before a show, right before bed, I will just kind of play it in my head by almost visualizing my left hand. So you're seeing your left hand play it in your mind's eye as you're going through the sound of the piece in your mind, basically? Right. Or are you listening to the music play back somewhere? Do you listen to yourself play it or? No, just no music. Just um, all in your, in your cool. head. Yeah, that makes sense though. It'd be a very effective tool because you're I've seeing heard your that. hands. Yeah, yeah, I've yeah, heard yeah. That. And it's like if you're able to play it in your head, then you know it really well. <laughs> yeah. If you're to that point, you should be okay, right? That's also super useful too. Cool. I I like the idea though. You brought up like being in that zone where literally you're not thinking about it. You're just letting it happen. Yeah. Like that's yeah. kind of a surreal moment. It's a it's a great feeling, but it's like how do you enter the avatar state? Like, <laughs> do you have any tips for that? Like I've, we've all experienced that moment where mm -hmm. literally it's, it's super fast or it's just a technical part and you just let go and it kind of just happens. Mm -hmm. You don't get in your own way. Like, do you have any tips for how to let, just let that happen? Or is it just something you have to learn over time? That's tough. I, I, I feel like it's, just this like screw it moment sometimes <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's uh it's less of like you can do it and it's like here we go and then you just kind of leave <laughs> mentally yeah. um, but i don't know about how to get into it i think it's just you have to let it go i think coming out of it is actually harder 
because you come back and you're like, okay, I need to focus again. But you're like, I can't believe I did that. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's a fantastic feeling, right? When you just, when you know that difficult section is coming up and you just play it perfectly. Yeah. 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 Well, that's the high you chase in performance. It is it. Like there's, is there anything better? I don't know. And in the classical world, like, how do you gauge the audience? Because it's not like a rock concert where if you do that part, like in the middle of the piece, like people will be clapped like, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like people are kind of waiting to show their reaction till the end. I'm sure you can maybe, I mean, if you look out, you can see people's reactions or whatever, but how do you gauge a crowd in, in your setting? Yeah. You know, it's, that's a really good question because I don't tend to look at the audience like at all during a piece Um, I'm like on my hands or eyes closed or staring at the floor and pretty much nowhere else. I think I would break focus too much if I were to look right at the audience. Um, I do think it's important to connect with the audience before um, and after a piece, you know, when you, it's like that moment when you finish and you like breathe silence and then you look up and you're kind of like, How'd I do? (laughs) (laughs) But yeah. People are clapping. I think I did okay. (laughs) Has has the crowd ever thrown roses at you or anything like that? Oh, I wish. No. No. Well, if we ever see you live, I'll bring I'll bring someone up there there for you. Please do. I encourage cheering also during my Good to know. You're like, yeah, in the middle of the piece, and you're like, totally throw you off. Get those guys kicked out. Um, <laughs> is there a place like you normally perform, or is it really like someone's gonna call you in and you're never really sure? Yeah, I don't think I've I've really hit a spot uh, like a regular spot. Uh, mostly, it's things like you know, m- classical music societies that have kind of concert series that you get invited to play at usually at church or um, something like that. Yeah. In your career, do you like moving forward? Did you have like an ultimate goal? Like once I get here, this is where I want to be and I'll be super happy and anything more than that will be icing on the cake or is it just kind of, I'm just going to go with it and whatever happens, happens. Like, did you have any like hard and fast goals when you started out? Yeah, I think in, the beginning of taking it really seriously. Um, Like when I was starting my master's degree, I had this vision of touring, um, just kind of like traveling and playing. Um, I think that knowing what I know now and seeing people do that, I would still do that, would love to do that. But teaching is so important to me at the same time that I don't think I have that same flexibility um, to do that all the time. I would still love to travel and perform but um i think i still need to have kind of a home base to you know work with my students and things like that right that's uh i'm sure every performance is so so different even if it's in the same place um do you have like a specific moment um where you really like a special moment on stage where you knew like okay i'm finally I'm doing this like where it became real, you know, like a specific concert where I was like, I love performing. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Um, huh. You know, yes, but it was kind of a negative experience. 
Oh, really? Uh, yeah, it was, it was like a, in my undergrad when I was starting to become semi-serious, um, I, I played this piece that was pretty challenging and I had not been working on for a super long time. It was still pretty fresh and it was the first time I had performed it. Um, and it was in front of, you know, my classmates and stuff. And I was somewhat nervous, but I got on stage and I couldn't really get into that headspace. It was back when I really didn't have a good handle on my nerves performing. And I just botched it um, so badly, so bad that I got off stage and I was like, that was so embarrassing. I still want to do it, though. <laughs> <laughs> so I huh. think that was kind of it. I was like, I can endure this. I can still like it. So. You know, it makes me think of stand-up comedians. Yeah. You know, that it's similar, though, you know. They have nights where they totally bomb and they're like, it's cool. I'm coming back for more. Yeah. I want to do it. Like, it just... It comes with the territory, right? Like everyone's yeah. had those moments where they just hit that sour note or just, I mean, I've had moments where I forget what I was going to play. And oh, I'm just kind of yeah. like oh, that moment where you have that moment of panic, like, oh no, why did I, how did I forget this? Kinda, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been there too. It's terrifying. <laughs> I mean, it is, but yeah. like, it's, but I mean, it's not you, the end of the world, no. right? It's like, it happens to everyone. Like the more we talk to musicians, it's a process, you know? And yeah, it says a lot like about you that you were like, yeah, I'm still, yeah, I'm in this still. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like where you want to head. It's like you, you can determine your path in life if you just go for it. You know, even if you stumble. Was there an element of, well, if this is bad as it's ever going to be, then I'm cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was huh. like, you know, this. I think I would rather bomb in front of an audience that I don't know rather than an audience in front of people who know me really well. And that was an audience who knew me really well. I was like, oh, man, so-and-so is going to, like, make fun of me tomorrow for this one. It was so <laughs> oh, hard. And I was wow. like, and I don't, you know, I, this is going to be the worst. Um, and it's and it's fine, you know. So. That's yeah. what friends are for, right? To kick you yeah. when you're down. <laughs> <laughs> so true, man. So true. Would so you true, make yeah. Would you make fun of me if I totally botched something out? I everyone it happens every once in a while not at first like i would make sure that you're emotionally not like you know but yeah i would be brutal i would i'm sorry i'm such a jerk but i can't help it man i just because you razz me all the time i don't i'm a you razz I'm, me i'm so he's, complimentary he's in every king way. razzer this guy over here it's kind of funny right how the better yeah. the friend the harder you can razz him <laughs> it's like should be yeah. the other way around right i don't you would think but it's a sport for you man we get <laughs> like, okay. how many barbs can we trade well kaylee we really appreciate you being on with us yeah it's been awesome thank you so much for having me yeah i mean you're awesome and you're just so insightful and and i like i just appreciate you being so open. like basically you're like i'm a teacher let me teach you gentlemen something and you've just been very but you're gracious with that and that's cool like because it's fun like it's it's a whole different world of guitar to to try to dive into and anyway thank you so much yeah. We also appreciate how candid you were, you know, like even sharing the experience of having like being having a total, you know, yeah. downer of a performance. Yeah. Like, again, the, the, this is going to help people that are listening to be like, oh, well, Kaylee did it. I can do it. Or, oh, I just had a really bad performance. I'm thinking about quitting. Oh, wait a minute. I don't necessarily have to quit. You know, I just keep yeah. going. It'll be okay. I don't know, you know what it is about 
musicians and like this positive but you just have this positive vibe you know what i mean like and it is a it does come from stumbling and then you're picking yourself back up like i don't know you're driven and and the optimism definitely yeah to, it comes through you know when you talk there's there's that optimism and that's something you can latch on to and something you can appreciate it's just so cool because it seems to be like all different kinds of musicians have that same sort of like vibe you know like it's just great thank you Actually, what what do you think about? Has that been your experience too? Like most musicians are optimistic and positive, and when you do something great, they're cheering for you just the same as if as happy as they would be if they accomplished something. Like it feels like it's a community of people uplifting each other. And ninety percent of the time, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I think so. yeah, ninety percent of the time. Like they had to qualify with the percentage. It's true. There's an exception to every. <laughs> every role. yeah ryan 90 percent. if you if you had to like if you had to pick a reason why why do you think that is like wh what do you think it is the optimism is it just because everyone's constantly working or do you have any thoughts on that i think i think there's um there's really like two ways to to have the right ego to be a performer there's you know you're being supportive and i think if you're very supportive of other musicians you assume other musicians are supportive of you and it's like this you know back and forth like yeah you don't have this negative assumption when you're playing in front of other people if you're not judging people too harshly you don't assume you're being too judged too harshly and then there's people who just need to have enormous egos and think they're above <laughs> everyone else just to keep their egos up to be on stage and uh they can still perform yeah. too if they want it's great yeah they want them yeah. to they just might not them. have as many fans. That's okay. <laughs> they still, they, everyone can learn and grow and change. It's just like you can't teach the feel that you were talking about. It's the same thing with ego. It's like eventually someone will catch on if they're meant to, I guess. Or, yeah. You know what I mean? Everyone's so different. You can't expect everyone to. Well, yeah. And I don't blame them either. It's like, it's so hard to not, you know, if, if people are stroking your ego all the time and, and you know. <laughs> That would be hard, right? Yeah, it would. I could imagine. <laughs> I don't know what that's like. So. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have anything going on that people should know about if they want to find you? Do you have any performances coming up? I know you have to heal up, but. Yeah, you know, I don't have anything booked. It's hard. Like no venues near me are really booking anything. Mm. But, um, you know, I, I'm just hopeful soon it'll all get back to normal and I can start performing again. Where would you send people if they want to know more about you? Um, or if they want to take lessons from you? Yeah, um, I have a website. It's uh, my first and last name, guitar. So KayleeConnorsGuitar.com um, or on Instagram um, at KayleeConnors. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So just Instagram. That's the only, it's the only social spot we can find you. I Not have on TikTok. I don't oh, have Facebook. TikTok. No. <laughs> TikTok, huh? TikTok is next, and then get you on Snapchat playing the Erega. She's not Snap. 12. She's not on TikTok. That's dude. where the kids are. We want to get them involved. That's right. It's true. Yeah. I mean, cause, no, because honest, but yeah, kids need people like you to look up to and to and to learn from and to, you know, to grow on that journey. That's part of what we like to do with this is like we want to encourage musicians and people who want to be a musician or maybe just learning or whatever. Like it's all part of the fun of talking about music all the time and you know yeah and maybe one day yeah. we'll get we'll actually be able to be in the audience 
Yeah. Watch you perform. That'd be great. That'd be rad. That'd be cool. Well, folks, you know where to find us. Anchor.fm slash inside the sound. Ryan, Kaylee, you guys have anything else you want to share? Any any hashtags you want to drop or anything else you want to relate to our beautiful listeners before Classic guitarists rock. Classical guitarists are the real rock. They're the original real rock stars. stars. Original rock stars. <laughs> you have custom guitar. That's so cool. All right, right. Kaylee, thanks again. You're, you're the best. Thank you so much for for joining us. Let me. Uh, you get to hear our outro. You, re- you excited to hear the, the the little outro? It's the same song. We just sort of. T- here we go. You excited? She's excited. I'm sure she's dying of anticipation. She's dying of anticipation. <laughs> I can see it, and just the way she's like, oh man, I can't. The, the opener sounded so good. Can they top it? All right, here we go. And we love you all. Bye. <laughs>